Welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Debbie Desmond. Okay. Alrighty, so I'm actually not preaching today, but I had, um, I've got a word that's been really, really on my heart that I wanted to share. Um, so I don't know if you guys heard, but the Springboks won the World Cup yesterday. Really? Um, I know. And so I'm like probably... The le- <laughs> I'm probably the least like rugby gal gal out there. I mean, if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd have been like, "Who are we playing? When? What? How?" But every four years, I'll tell you right now. I'm like, my blood is green and gold. You know, I'll I get fully into it. And over the last couple of weeks, you know, been following and, and been noticed. Just I'm really really invested. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, Lord. This is not me. This is very much not, even to the point of, you know, how, you know, I definitely I support South Africa every four years World Cup. But I was like, I'm very emotionally invested. And it got to the point where I actually stopped and I was like, okay, Jesus, what are you saying? Like, what is going on? This is very much out of my usual um, spheres. I was like, okay, Lord, speak to me. And um, I began to just look around at what was happening in our nation during this time. And I saw this picture of, there was this moment in time where we have South Africa and it was like something gets peeled back. And for a moment, for a couple of weeks, you get to look at who South Africa really is, who we were made to be. That thing of, of unity and the rainbow nation, people working together, putting their differences aside and taking arms with their brothers and pushing towards a goal and fighting for something with each other, you know? Um, I saw someone say South Africa gives um, sibling energy where we, like, fight with each other, but then as soon as anyone else comes in, you're like, hey, don't, don't you insult that. That is... No one fights with him except me, you know? Um, but there's this, there's this moment where you get to see, hey, that's who we are. And there was something in me that just said, okay, Jess, you know, if you've got any level of influence, even if it's just with two people, call it out. Call out what you see in South Africa, solidify it, take a step forward, cement that so you can then grow from that point. So I just then started praying. I was praying for this country. I woke, every morning I woke up and I started praying and interceding for this country and who we were and what we were meant to be. And then the Lord started speaking to me about how, about nation building and what that looks like to build this nation and something that we were already trying to do. And I realized that, um, funnily enough, the Springboks, a rugby team, can reach places for the kingdom that the church can't reach. He's, they're reaching people for God that we actually don't have reach into. And it's just remarkable that so many of the players are such incredible, incredibly strong Christians and how they play for the Lord. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I said, God, are you using a rugby team to do this? And then that prompted me to, to dig into, okay, well, what, what, what is it about rugby in this country? Like I know, I know, you know, from talking, from growing up, and I was like, let me actually go and do some research. What happened at that 95 game? What was that actually all about? Show me, Lord. Um, and long story short, I just came away with this, incre- I mean, I don't think you can really respect Mandela much more, but I do now, but there was, a, there was a moment I looked at him and he had this crazy dream, this crazy dream that he could take rugby and take a nation on the brink of civil war and use it to unify, and he used the, the slogan, one 
one, a one team, one country. And he took a path that was difficult. He didn't take this side or he didn't take this side. He stood in the middle and he said, join me here. And he didn't, it, that, he put himself in a place of um, almost to his detriment that really could be to his, he made himself kind of an enemy to both sides and hoped to reconcile both sides to put into the middle. And he had this really crazy dream, but a very innovative dream for the country. And then when we won that cup, that, that moment of rugby, it became something of hope for our nation where we looked at this and said, hey, look at what we can be, look at what we can do if we just believe in this man's dream for us. Like if we believe in this man's dream for us. And so I started looking at, okay, a South African dream. What does that look like? What is a South African dream? What do we want this to be? What, is this one, um, what do we want this to look at? And then God started speaking to me about um, how you build cathedrals. When you build a cathedral, you're looking at like 120 years, if like maybe longer, of what you're building. And I think a lot of times as South Africans, we, we play our short game really well. We're hoping for the next election cycle. We're hoping for something to change in the next couple of months. And I believe that we should carry on doing that. But I think that in this nation, we need to have a cathedral dream. We need to have a dream that we actually, okay, in 120 years, what are we building here? And what's interesting about when you build a cathedral is the people that start building it, all they have is a dream. And they know for a fact, that when, I mean, remember reading in history when, when someone builds a cathedral, they knew they would never worship in that cathedral. They knew it would not be finished in their lifetime. They knew that they were building it, that they would hand it off to their children, but they had a hope that one day their grandchildren would worship in that space. And I think for us as a nation, we need to start thinking like that, where we actually think, you know what, I might not see this victory, but I'm going to build into this nation so that one day my grandchildren will be able to worship in this place. And I think that what that looks like sometimes is actually... When you stand in your country and you say, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to build this thing, even if it's to my detriment. Um, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily something for everyone. Um, this is just a way of thinking that I think we need to pray about and say, okay, well, what are you calling me to? Because yeah, sometimes when you're building that cathedral, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to stand here. I'm not going to reap from this. I'm actually going to give to this. I'm going to lay my life down for this. I'm not going to actually reap for me but I'm reaping for them and I'm reaping for us and there's something that that when you believe in a dream like that that you actually say you know what South Africa I'm giving me to you and I'm gonna I'm gonna serve my country even when my country's not serving me and I decided that I'm gonna be a benefit to you even if you might be a detriment to me and if 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 enough people and this is also if you call to this dream, because there are seasons, some people are called to other nations, and there's sometimes seasons that you called here and called elsewhere. But I believe that there are some people that are actually called to believe in a South African dream and to say that I'm not going to have one foot in South Africa and the other on a foreign passport. <laughs> and that the minute something goes on, the minute this country's not serving me, I'm dipping. You know, like as soon as you're not, not coming to my advantage, I'm out but actually to be the moment, no, no, I'm going to stick it out here and I'm going to be here when it's rough and even if it takes things, I'm going to, and I'm going to build this thing and I'm going to build it into the future, into the future generations because I believe in the cathedral dream. 
And then the one other thing I thought, and I mean, personally, I do love the converted warehouse church look, but I do know that, you know, when you're in a church, a modern church, you walk in and it's like beautiful, lovely, but when that church moves out, it takes six weeks and it's office buildings, and you would never know that it's a church. However, to this day, the cathedrals that have been built, like you can go to Europe and look around at these places, there will never be anything other than a cathedral. Never, ever, ever. You, even if they are used as office space, as, as something else, even if they use that, someone will walk in and say, this was a cathedral, this is a place of worship. In fact, to this day, even if they're no longer churches, people visit them, and non-Christians come and worship and look at that space and go, wow, look at the beauty of this place. It's still a cathedral. And so I think that, I think that we need to pray and say, Lord, what are you calling me to? Are you calling me to here, to South Africa in this time? Are you calling me to actually build this? Is this my cathedral to build? And then if so, it's a way of thinking of being like, I'm building for my grandchildren and I will lay my life down for this and I will stick it out even if it's to my detriment but to the benefit of my country and I think that there's there's something there's something in that for us um, especially now as you look around as you go this afternoon and you see people celebrating wearing the jersey looking around and seeing who we can be I think it's just something to to have in your heart and to pray about Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm um, this morning going to just um, follow on a little bit from my message on finding your glory and significance. <laughs> Um, and I'm just going to add a little bit to that. So, Father God, we just pray that you would speak to us this morning. Let your word um, come into, we, we open our hearts. Let your word come into our hearts. Let it be living. Let it be active. Let it change us. Let us align us. Let it align us with heaven. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, I just want to recap very briefly on um, what I was sharing, I think it was two weeks ago, that we all face, like Adam and Eve in the garden, we all face what they face moment by moment, daily in our lives. Um, they, would they, Adam and Eve, would they be deceived and believe the devil to try and find significance and glory and a glory of their own? And we are faced with that every day as, as ourselves. Um, are we going to be um, are we going to be hoodwinked by the devil, deceived, and believe that we need to find um, a significance and a glory of our own? Okay, um, are we going to strive and run after significance and honor, um, even although, like we we said, we already have it. We already have it every moment from the Heavenly Father. Just like Adam and Eve, they were already like God, but that's what the devil deceived them, to go and try and become like God in and of themselves, separate from God. So they could have been like that, just receiving it from God, or they achieve it by themselves. And it's the same with us every day, our significance. That are we going to try and receive significance 
and a glory of our own that we try and strive for all the time? Or will we just actually accept the glory and the significance that he's given us? Believe it, um, that we are completed in Christ to realize that we... We can never find perfection and wholeness apart from him. That any other, um, any other striving on our part, we will always come back unfulfilled because it's an illusion that you can find significance outside of God because you weren't created um, for that. So, you know, and to live... Um, conscious and mindful of our union with God in faith, believing and receiving, abiding in God, abiding in his favor and righteousness, partaking of his favor and success. We are full and complete in him. We are significant. Are we going to believe it and walk in it and um, just that constant downloading of that as we abide in him? Or are we going to say, actually, I'm going to believe the world that I need to find this glory and the significance on my own. So that was that, um, and um, that uh, two weeks ago. Now, I, what my message this um, um, this morning is on a similar vein um, because it links into that, and it's called living to be seen, living to be seen, um, because we really have in our lives this. Um, um, Again, this this um, temptation, I suppose, to live to be seen by man or to live to be seen by the eternal God. How how do you position your life? How do you position your life to live to be seen by man? Is that your main consciousness to be seen by man? Your daily life, how you live it, is it to be seen by man? To be seen um, the, the the worldly view that you. Um, partake of, of yourself, or is it to be seen by the eternal God? That's how you live out your life. Is that the way we're going to live out our lives? Oh, and, and what this translates to, even um, as a, a beneath that, even foundational to that, is are we living for the temporal or are we living for the eternal? Because if you're living to be seen by man, you are living in the temporal. You are living a worldly life. But if you are living your life to be seen by God, the eternal God, you are living an eternal perspective. You are living in eternity. So the question is, where are you caught up? In your mind, in your consciousness, where are you caught up in your daily life? Um, And the question is, depending on where you are, and let me fa- let's face it, a lot of Christians are a little bit of both, you know, <laughs> a little bit of both, a little bit on the edge um, of that. Um, the question is, which life has everlasting value? You know, it, it takes somebody that's, you know, fairly close, not necessarily close in your heart, but fairly close in your life to pass away for you to suddenly realize the impact of how short life is and that it can go like this. And it's in those moments that I feel like God often gives us a revelation of that life is very short. And the question that really comes to press on you is, is that, you know, what, what is, is there an eternal life? Is there life after death? Is this all there is? Is it this little short space? Well, as Christians, we know it's not. 
that there is eternity, that the Bible says in Christ we will live forever. Forever. This is not just, oh, it's going to come to an end one day. We are going to live forever. Ever and ever and ever. It just goes on and on and on. And you know what? You, the Bible says, and this is so, so much throughout the whole Bible. You get to live your life right now in this world for the temple. Or you can take your life that you're living right now and live it for the eternal. The Bible says that you, depending on how you live your life here, it's going to affect your rewards in heaven. That's an interesting concept. And how are you living your life day to day? Conscious of, have you got a worldly mindset? You don't need to be seen by men, the material things around you. Or are you conscious of God and his, the eternity? Psalm 17, 14 says, Oh Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from men of this world whose reward is in this life. Whose reward is in this life. Those, that's how a lot of people live, even Christians. They live as if their reward is going to be in this life. And if you, if you look in the Bible, when Jesus, um, we're going to look at the scripture a little, um, in a little while. You know, Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, don't announce it, don't show it. Because your father who sees, it, what, sees what he does in heaven will, um, on earth will reward you. But he says in that same thing. And in a couple of different things, it's like, but if you have been seen by men, that is your reward. I mean, I'm, I'm sobered by that. It's like, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically what it means is that if you set out to impress other people, to be seen by men, to do something, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get success, status, money, my reward. So literally, your reward is to get favor and honor from other people to get finances wealth whatever it might be to other people and then because that was your motivation and you received it and God says well you got your reward on earth that's your reward but God says that if you do something no one sees it no one but in your heart you did it for the Lord God says that is an eternal reward to you and the question again is where do you want to live do you want to be it says by your hand save me from such men it says save us lord from being such men (laughs) from men of this world whose reward is in this life that word reward is their reward their inheritance their portion the um New Living Translation says, those who look to this world for their reward. Psalm 49, um, in Psalm 49 it says, do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not uh, descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed. And men praised, um, praised, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. And I'm just going to read this scripture. 
in two other translations because, you know, sometimes it's good to read the other translations because you, you, it just rounds it out in your heart. The message translation said, don't be impressed with those who get rich and pile up fame and fortune. They can't take it with them. Fame and fortune all get left behind. Just when you think that they've arrived and folks, just when they think they've arrived and folks praise them because they've made good, they enter the family burial plot where they'll never see sunshine again. Um, another translation. Though they have the greatest rewards of this world and all applaud them for their accomplishments, they will follow those who have gone before them and go straight into the realm of darkness where they never ever see the light again. So this is the way of mortal man, honored for a moment yet without eternal insight, like a beast that will one day perish. The question is, have you got, like this, this scripture says, eternal insight? Or you just like this man, you know, this world is their reward. 1 Corinthians 13, and we sang this song this morning, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm empty. If something clangs and gongs, it's I'm empty. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but, I, but have not love, I gain nothing. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I find that so often, because we live in the world, we can be lured into back into the world's temporary perspectives. We're around people that have temporary perspectives where, you know, this is all there is. And so they live in their best life and they feel this is where their reward is. But that's not like we are, right? Um, like, like I just um, I mentioned uh, Matthew 6, six where um, God... Um, says, when you're doing something, do it for God. And if you do it for men, there's your reward. But this eternal God, Jesus constantly, constant. if you read the Gospels, he's constantly reminding us, constantly reminding us that this isn't where, you know, like Jerusalem, um, that um, song's speaking about the new Jerusalem, um, the heavenly kingdom. And it says, this is not my home. You know, we, we are citizens, the Bible says we're citizens of heaven. And it says, um, I was trying to think of a, the one song. Um, anyway, I think it's gone. This is not my kingdom. This is not my home. That's the, um, you know, we, we, the Bible says we are supposed to live here as foreigners. You know, like this isn't our home. We have a different culture to this world. We live on an eter in, in an eternal um, realm, in the spiritual realm. Um, Colossians 3 verse 3, 23 says, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So this is like a saying like, okay, you know, um, and, and it's interesting when Jesus spoke to about, um, to the people about giving, praying, fasting, he was talking about the religious figures of the time. And, you know, it was, these are so-called, you know, 
godly men. And what they were doing is they were doing everything to be seen by men. Their reward was on earth. But God is saying to them, like, you know what? Everything you do is seen by God, every motive of your heart, and you will be rewarded. The Bible says you will not give even a glass of water in the name of the Lord and not be without your reward. But it's really like, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the, your reward to be on earth or for your reward to be um, in heaven? So where are you living from? What is your, your perspective? Um, you know, um, John 5, verse 41 Jesus, Jesus said, I do not receive glory from man. He said, I don't receive, I don't receive praise. I've often meditated on that scripture, you know, because Jesus said, I do not receive the praises of man. I was like, mm, Jesus, let me think about that in my own life. Like, um, I'm not saying that, that men can't praise you, that you don't say thank you and you receive a compliment. That's something else, obviously, you know. But it's, the, the thing is, is how, what do you receive it as, as, what when somebody um, praises you, are you receiving it as the thing that gives you value, significance, etc.? You know, you can receive a compliment and praise and say, "Well, thank you. Yes, God did make me amazing." I'm just, yes, thank you. I, God has made me wonderful, but it's not coming like you and your praises are giving me my value. I'm already valuable. You know what I'm saying? So you can say this, uh, you know, you understand what I'm saying. But Jesus said, I don't receive glory from men. He went on to say, you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God. Here again, it's like, what are you seeking? Are you seeking God's glory? The glory that God gives you, his pleasure, his reward, or are you seeking man's? 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to 19 said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And I want to put in here, or in the praises of men, which is so fickle, one day here, one day gone, you know? But to put their hope in God, who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. Command those it's command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may, not, they may take hold of life that is truly life. I just, I'm going to just read that last bit, um, because let me just say this. I don't think there's anything wrong with having money I think I mean honestly the more money we can have the better it's where the money has you that is the problem okay and it's whether it's your reward or whether you have an eternal reward if you have money it's God's way of helping you to help others you know what I'm saying I'm so blessed that there are lots of rich people in South Africa who are providing jobs and employment for other people if we were all poor we'd all be going like nowhere so I, I'm really I'm, I'm, I'm not you know but interesting enough it says command those who are rich not to put their value and their hope in their riches, okay? Because if riches are the thing, guys, if, if you're rich and that is 
your, what your life is all about, that's your reward. And it's very temporal and it's very short. You know what I'm saying? But if you are rich and you had that money and you were using it for an eternal purpose, yes, then, then it has value eternally. But if it's just because you're happy and, you know, you're, then, then, then you've got your reward here on earth and you're not going to receive anything eternally, right? But um, I think the point I'm trying to make in this scripture when, when um, Paul is talking, um, is um, writing to Timothy saying, hey, those who are rich, don't put your money in it, put your hope in it. Um, in your wealth and your security and your significance, etc., in it. But this is what I want to say. He was saying, command them to do good, to, to basically do the things that are valuable for eternity. And, and so he says, in that way, lay up treasures for, uh, in that way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is Truly life. The Bible actually talks about riches. It talks about unrighteous riches, like riches, just normal riches. And then it talks about if you can't be faithful with normal riches here on earth, how can I let you be faithful with true riches? And what's true riches in the Bible? It's stuff that actually is so much more valuable than money, but money can't buy. There's many people, people who've got it all, they've got the fame, they've got, you know, people who are millionaires, people who are super famous, who commit um, suicide, life's not living, because they haven't got the true riches in their life. And I don't know about you, but I mean, if if you know the difference between riches and true, uh, just normal riches and true riches, I, I don't think anyone would say like, oh, you know, I think I'll spend eternity with, you know, normal riches. They want true riches. Um, true riches and you know this so I'm I'm, going to end off with just saying well what are um, what do we think the rewards that are waiting for us in heaven are have you ever thought about that because you know we actually should think a little bit more about them because we should be thinking eternally. Because every day, like this is my challenge that I've had been giving to you today. Are you going to live temporally and let your reward be here? Or are you going to live eternally and store up for yourself treasures in heaven? The Bible in the New Testament is all about storing up treasures. I mean, Jesus mentions again and again. Paul mentions it. Many people about this storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do we think about it often enough? Because it's in the Bible. Like, you know, if God says this is a good thing to do, we should actually do some of it, right? We should actually think about it, right? And my thinking was like, well, what are treasures in heaven? I mean, I, I, and I, I'm still on this thought because, you know, God's been speaking about, to me about this lately, hence I'm speaking to you about it. Um, but I've been thinking about the, what are these treasures in heaven? Because, you know, we have got some interesting ideas of what they are. And I thought, well, you know, um, I suppose most of us, when we think of treasures in heaven, we think of, uh, you know, the way we think of money here. We think of like, oh, there's a scripture. Um, where is it? Um, hang on, I'm going to find it for you quickly. 
John 14 verse 2 says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now, in the King James Version, it translates dwelling places into mansions. So it's, you know, it's interesting if you're a Christian, you haven't been to that, like, what is your mansion going to look like in heaven? Eh? And, you know, we sort of think, well, if you're going to have a great mansion. <laughs> and some people think, well, I'm just going to have a little tin shanty. <laughs> I don't know. You know? So, so, you know, the question is, well, what? Because I, I went and I looked at that in the Greek. And it actually simply means a dwelling place. <laughs> so it's nothing about a mansion. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble. I'm not saying that it couldn't be a mansion. It could be a mansion. But the question is, like, um, I, I was thinking about it when I was thinking about rewards and riches. I was thinking about, like, actually, when we get to heaven, like, you know, I, I look at my life, I say, like, uh, I don't know that I'm so impressed with a big mansion and house. I, I don't know how much joy it's going to give me. You know, um, I, what I've realized in my life is that... <laughs> well, there's a lot of garden up in heaven, I reckon. Um, you know, what I've realized is that, you know, uh, you get those big and wonderful and fancy things, but then they're just literally a house, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and and it's, it can be a very cold and empty house with nothing. It's just columns and it can look fairly beautiful. But in the end, that's all it is. So my question is, do you think that when God um, says you're going to have these rewards in heaven, you actually think it's going to be this amazingly beautiful house? Well, you can. You can give your opinion. The discussion's opening. Put it this way. I'm just thinking, like, you know what? Knowing God, that, that, I'm, I'm not saying that you, you wouldn't have a beautiful place and that heaven's beautiful. I mean, if you've heard any accounts of people, it is beautiful. But I want to say that, that beautiful material thing, that's not God's greatest riches. No. No. Do you understand no. what I'm saying? It's yeah. definitely not. So, so, but we put it tangibly in our heads. But, but what is it untangibly? What is the, the, like, you think now, if someone came and they gave you this amazing house, said, yeah, I'm giving you this holiday, I'm giving you this house, I'm giving you all these amazing, you know, you win, you won the jackpot. And you think of, all right, you, you move into house, you're like thrilled. And, you know, there's joy in everything. Okay, I'm sure that the experience you have of it will probably be like that. But I don't know that it's actually a material thing. I think it's true riches that are so much more fulfilling than that. You understand what I'm saying? So I just want to, I want you to go out here and I want you to start thinking about it because I want you to start thinking of having an eternal perspective of what is reward. I mean, I'll just throw out some ideas, you know. Um, um, I was thinking like, you know, there's that scripture that says, that parable that talks about um, Jesus. Um, uh, uh, he, there was the owner of a vineyard, and you know people came in in the morning, and they started working from the morning to the end of the day. Lunchtime, some other people came in. They worked from lunch, and then like at the last hour, someone comes in, works, and at the end of the day, he gives them all the same. And the people are like, "What on earth is this? This is unfair." <laughs> 
I mean, for me, I mean, I'm thinking, my thinking is saying, well, you know what, I think when uh, um, our reward for our faith in Jesus, the reward is Jesus. When we get to his presence, everyone gets the same, Jesus, you know, that's the one reward that we get for our faith. And can you imagine that, um, that reward? Um, I mean, how many of you, like the time when you've experienced God's presence, like just so amazingly, you just don't want to move and you're just at God's presence and you're just so close to him and you feel his love and everything. That's the reward to be with God like that constantly. That's an amazing reward, right? Um, and, you know, just think about those times in your life where you felt God's uh, love, his presence, or you've been with someone you felt love. Those, those two riches. I wonder how much of that we're going to receive in heaven. This is a, that's just an idea, a thought, right? Of, I'm trying to get you to think of, go and study those scriptures. Think about, ask God, what are the rewards in heaven? I was thinking about another thing. I thought, um, what if, you know, I've heard of these people, they die, and then they, um, they come back, you know, they come back, so they have that near-death experience and whatever, and they tell of their experiences. And so many people say, you know, all of a sudden it was like they could see their life like on a page in front of them. It was like all present to them all at once. And I think that's what eternity is like. You see your life all at once. You're aware of it, etc. And I thought, you know, what if... Um, Every single thing where we did it for God and he said, I will reward you. I mean, this is just a thought. What if I look at that in, my, in eternity and I'm aware of God's pleasure at every single moment I did anything for him. His pleasure and he, him like, I'm pleased with you. And, and I just thought like, what if that is a substance that, and that consciousness of that I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that, I'm happy to have that as my reward, that constant sense of God's pleasure and like his stamp of approval on those things in my life. And it's constantly before you, that sense of, you know, that, I mean, how many of you, they're still, even adults, still want their father to say, I'm pleased with you. Um, you've done well. I mean, I still uh, you know, hope that there's somebody that I respect and honor to actually say, well done. There's something inside of me that just goes, you know? And that is a, that, that's a beautiful thing. Can you imagine living in that sense of God's approval and his pleasure for you? Living in that. That must be amazing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what other, what he, God rewards, but I'm just thinking like just that, you know, would be amazing to live in eternity of just that sense of my father is so pleased with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, so I'm going to leave it there. And I encourage you to go away. Think about the rewards and what's truly, what are truly value. You know, think about, you know, love and, and God's, I, I, I mean, one of them, I, I can't even mention all the things I've thought about, but I just think of God's glory, you know, just his glory. Have you ever, or his beauty, like, can you imagine, you know, I don't know, I, I'm just saying, maybe you get, 
get to live on this side of God <laughs> and this part of his beauty. <laughs> like, you know, you, know you, I, I, you, you have a mansion, right, <laughs> where um, uh, you get to see the sunset and a beautiful vista, etc. What if, you know, your dwelling place in God is just, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to live with who this part of God is every morning. And I wake up, and I think you're going to wake up. But I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? To, to experience the, the riches of God, the treasures of God, of his glory, of his beauty, that somehow that's broken off and for us to experience in heaven. What could it be? I don't know, but I, I have a doubt that. I think I'll be very disappointed if I get to heaven and there's some blocks of dead gold. I'm not saying that it couldn't be, I couldn't see it and, and think, but I mean, if that's all it is, that's pretty much disappointing. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> so go away and think about it. But more than all of that is I want to really exhort you and encourage you today to think about, are you living for temp, where, where um, uh, Psalm 17 said, where your reward is in this life, where you live in temporary, or are you living for eternity? What is of ultimate value for true riches forever and ever and ever? Amen. Father God, we just want to come before you and we just thank you, Father, that you instruct us so beautifully um, in your ways, that we can live successfully, that we can live free, that we can live... um, yeah, in perspective of eternity, in perspective of an eternal Father. Um, and Lord, we just ask that you would come and enlighten our minds, enlighten our hearts um, to eternity. Lord, let us be aware of it. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you who is eternity. And you're before, after, in the middle, everything. Help us to live in that perspective with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Debbie Desmond. For more information, please visit nigeldebbie.org.